Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. So, uh, in the holiday holiday spirit, uh, we've got uh, some interesting tree toppers that I wanted to share with you guys uh, that I thought were pretty cool. So this first one is actually a tornado tree topper uh, from Matt Grincher. I thought that was pretty creative. Uh, then there was this one uh, by uh, Pogba Ace Christmas Hopper Tree Topper. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good too. Uh, then there was this one with Godzilla with the Santa Claus hat uh, by Sean Kane. He said, now that's a tree topper. And then there was this one of Beyonce. That one was I thought was pretty good. Uh, but then I think they took it too far when they had one with Hillary Clinton as an angel. <laughs> uh, then I also wanted to talk about uh, the other day I was watching a King Arthur movie by Guy Ritchie. And uh, I was very late to see that movie. A lot of my friends recommended it, uh, but I, I do know that a lot of the critics panned the movie and said it wasn't that great. Uh, but when I saw it, it was actually really good, I thought. I'm very much in line with you know other Guy Ritchie films that he's done. Uh, you know, you think about Sherlock Holmes, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, it was very much like that, so I thought it was really good. Um, I, I think that his reign of really good films continues um, and I was glad what actually like put pushed me over the edge to go see that movie uh, was him being on Joe Rogan's podcast and explaining it so that I could really believe him more than the critics uh, so I gave it a shot and I'm glad that I did it was a very good film uh, if you haven't seen it I highly recommend it and if you live in Canada uh, you can actually get it like I did uh, for just nine ninety nine on iTunes right now, so it's it's on sale. Um, so that that also you know kind of pushed me over the edge to go see it as well. So really good film, highly recommend it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, don't believe the critics. It is actually pretty good. Uh, then Conan O'Brien tweeted out, uh, "Rich people are really going to take a bath with this new tax plan. In money, they will bathe in money." So today. Uh, Donald Trump signed that new tax bill into law as it passed the House and the Senate. Um, and it's very interesting the timing of it because I was reading the other day that state governments have actually voted to increase minimum wage uh, at the same time that this is going on. So it's very possible that optically this could look like a win for Trump and the Republicans because wages will be going up anyways because of what the states voted on. Uh, so I think that's pretty sneaky politics by the Republicans and by Donald Trump. Also very weird to see uh, a lot of companies, instead of increasing wages, what they did was they paid a Christmas bonus of $1,000. There was a few companies that did that after this bill passed. Um, it's interesting to me that it's just a Christmas bonus and it's not a permanent increase in their employees' wages, which is basically what the Republicans and Donald Trump were promising with this. So, you know, it would remain to be seen what's going to happen with this, but it looks like it looks like it's basically a, a very political thing that's going on. They're trying to optically make it look good for themselves. Uh, they might actually succeed. Um, we'll see what happens with that, but uh, very interesting situation going on in the States. Obviously though, uh, the big winners coming out of that would be the major corporations 
whose tax rates go from 36% down to 21%. Uh, and again, as I was saying in the last podcast, I believe if you put yourself in a corporation's shoes and you've now got that extra money that you're not being taxed on, would you spend that to increase your employees' wages? Or would you spend that money to increase research and development into AI so that eventually you can make even more money with artificial intelligence? That would probably be the way that most companies are going to go. But that's the kind of thing the Republicans and Donald Trump don't want you to know about, think about, or hear about, uh, even though that's probably the most likely thing that would happen. Uh, Then uh, Tim and Sid had a match game the other day based on Uh, the World Chess Championship logo, uh, which looks very strange. Uh, So if you're interested, you can check out uh, twitter.com slash thejohndnewton. There's a bunch of logos that I found that were pretty crazy, just like that chess one, including the Arlington Pediatric Center. Uh, You can see from the image there what that looks like. It looks pretty disturbing. Um, Then there were some other ones as well. That one, I'm, I'm sure you can tell what that looks like. Uh, this one, Dirty Bird Fried Chicken, uh, looks like something totally different. Uh, then there was this one as well. Uh, so, what's interesting is none of those logos are fake or made up. They actually are real logos. <laughs> I don't know how any of them got approved or, or saw the light of day, but they did. Uh, so. Definitely some interesting choice of logos for different companies. Then, uh, on a side note, there was this, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, so apparently, a little girl, I believe this was actually in Nova Scotia, uh, outside of her house with the snow, uh, she painted, or spray painted, it looks like, uh, Santa, stop here, with an arrow pointing to her house, leave presents and take my brother. <laughs> and I said, this kid's going to be getting coal. Um, but I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, then to go along with that Tim and Sid match game, like the worst logo since the World Chess one, I was saying that whatever the hell the Phoenix Coyotes thought that logo was back in 1996 or around that time, I always thought that that was one of the ugliest logos um, in all of sports. Forget about just the NHL. I think in any sports league, uh, professional, college, wherever. I've always felt like the Phoenix Coyotes, you know, mid-90s logo looked horrible uh, when they just came to Phoenix after being the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, then there was a really interesting stat that I saw uh, from Andy Bailey. Uh, the Toronto Raptors have had a really good season so far. Uh, they're in the top three. Uh, sometimes that will change. They'll be in the top two in the East. Uh, they've had over the last little while, I believe since November 3rd, uh, the third best record in the NBA. Uh, so they're up there ahead of teams like Golden State, San Antonio, uh, but they're in there with teams like Cleveland and Boston, etc., etc. So they're playing really good basketball right now. Um, and a lot of that is one of their rookies that they drafted, OG Anobi. Uh, I just call him OG because I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Ananobi, I think, is how you properly pronounce it. Uh, OG3, though, is his nickname, and I think that's a good nickname because he's shooting a lot of threes now, in addition to it being his number. 
Um, but he was an interesting player because in the draft, he kind of slipped and fell to the Raptors because he was injured, uh, I believe, during the Combine uh, when players were, were being checked out by uh, management and scouts and things like that. So the Raptors kind of lucked out in a big way. Uh, but at the same time, you have to credit their scouts, you have to credit Masai Ujiri because they're continuing to draft players that really, they come in and they contribute. Maybe, you know, the one exception might be uh, Bruno, uh, you know, the, the guy that they were saying was like one year away from being one year away, and it's now been, what, three or four years since. Um, you know, he was, you know, the hype around Bruno when he was drafted was that he was like the Brazilian, uh, you know, Kevin Durant. I don't know about that. Uh, he's continuing to play for the uh, G League team, the 905. Uh, you know, so we'll see what happens with him. But outside of him, almost everybody that they've brought in to support the, the cast that they already have has been really playing well. Um, you know, even Delon Wright, who came back recently from injury, uh, you know, if you watched the game yesterday against the 76ers, he was playing extremely well. I believe he was like uh, fourth in points for the Raptors last night, just coming back from injury. Uh, and, and he was playing extremely hard. You could see it from one side of the court to the other, offensively, defensively. Uh, so it's really, really interesting to see this from the Raptors. But this stat blew me away. I know that OG has been a major part of their offense and defense, but uh, this stat was crazy. It says the Toronto Raptors play like a 61-win team when OG is on the floor and a 48-win team when he's on the bench. Uh, so that's an unbelievable stat, really. Uh, but I do believe it. You know, If you watch him play, um, you know, the confidence that he has in himself, the confidence that DeMar and Kyle Lowry have in him, passing in the ball to shoot threes uh it's phenomenal to watch and i think you know the raptors hopefully will be able to do really well come the playoffs you know i, I don't think anybody's really interesting interested or, or really you know at this point really cares if they go one two or three in the east in terms of the standings what everybody wants to see is what will they do in the playoffs and can they beat teams like boston and cleveland uh if and when that time comes in the playoffs, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I think the big question mark right now for the entire Eastern Conference is that Cleveland has been playing without Isaiah Thomas, so you add him into the mix with LeBron James and the rest of the cast there, and it's a totally different team. The question is, is it a better team? That's what everybody's waiting to see. And Isaiah Thomas recently... Uh, as part of his rehab to get back into playing with the Cavs, I believe recently is starting to play with the G League team there. So it won't be long before he's finally playing and we get to see what Cleveland really is with Isaiah Thomas uh, and therefore, you know, trying to measure up the Raptors against that team. Uh, but overall, I would say the Raptors so far have had a really good season and a lot of it is because of their bench players and their supporting cast, people like OG, uh, who are playing unbelievable basketball. Uh, then there was this, which I thought was funny. So Rome's official Christmas tree, which cost the city almost 48,000 pounds, or excuse me, 48,000 euros, 
or $57,000 US, has garnered a bit of bad publicity for its sickly and sad appearance. Um, it really does look like a horrible Christmas tree. It basically just looks like branches. Uh, so there's not much foliage, foliage there uh, for that tree. Easy for me to say. Um, then I also wanted to share with everybody, in case you didn't know, and I'd be shocked if you didn't, if you watch this podcast, chances are you've seen it online. Uh, Loblaws was caught fixing the price of bread, uh, I believe for almost five years time, uh, going back to 2010 to 2015, I believe. Uh, so whatever the years were, as a result, uh, they are now offering a $25 gift card to anybody who's at the age of majority in Canada. It depends on which province you're in, what that age is. Some provinces it's 18, some it's 19, etc. Um, but if you are at the age of majority and you bought bread, which chances are in Canada, <laughs> there's not that many options to go to uh, in terms of getting your food or groceries. Uh, chances are you did buy your bread during those years at Loblaws at some point. Um, if the answer to both of those questions is yes. Yes, you're at the age of majority. Yes, you purchased bread there before. Uh, then you would actually qualify to get a $25 gift card at Loblaws. Uh, so all you've got to do at this point to get that set is go to loblawcard.ca, uh, and that link is also on Twitter on the Twitter account. Uh, if you go to that link, all you have to do is type in your email. And I believe on January 8th or just after that, uh, they will ask you those questions um, and then you would then be sent out a $25 gift card. So, uh, you know, if, if that is you and you're a Canadian watching this podcast, you're welcome. Uh, and don't say I never got you anything for Christmas. It's right there. Um, then there was this, which I thought was... <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, this was tweeted out by Joe Rogan uh, from a flat earther. Um, really crazy stuff here, saying that if the earth was a globe, and let me just zoom out just a little bit. If the earth was a globe, basically all of the water would be going towards the bottom of the earth. <laughs> so the craziness. Uh, with flat earthers continues uh, they're saying due to gravity that would happen <laughs> so Joe having a lot of fun uh, this tweet actually retweeted by Joe uh, from race stance uh, so interesting with flat earthers you don't know necessarily if they're doing it as a joke or if they really believe that crap uh, but either way it's still funny to me uh, and I believe it's funny to Joe as well really crazy stuff there um, then there was this uh, from Vice Canada British Columbia will actually start giving free opioids to users in 2018 and Chris Bell had the same reaction that I have with it uh, that this is so stupid there's a ton of kratom in British Columbia people need to wake the fuck up and stop trying to ban what could be an answer to this opioid crisis um, and I would agree, like, if, if you're not aware of what Kratom is, I definitely recommend you look into it. Vice News, ironically enough, actually did a, a bit about it on Vice News Tonight recently about a, a, an addict to opioids and how he was starting to use Kratom to overcome that addiction. 
Um, so Kratom, you know, there, there's obviously probably still a lot of science to be done with it, but it seems to be a good solution, at least in the mid, you know, in the, in the meanwhile. Um, and it's interesting because it's something that governments around the world are trying to outlaw and trying to ban, uh, very much seemingly like marijuana. Um, and it, it's interesting because the opioid crisis in the U.S., Canada, and around the world just continues to get worse, um, and this seems to be a solution. And uh, there's actually going to be a little bit more later on this podcast about the opioid crisis and how bad it's getting, uh, with some numbers, I think, that are going to shock you uh, and sadden you, as it did with me when I saw it. Uh, but before we get there, I thought this was funny. Uh, this was actually from May, and I, I it totally missed my radar, but I thought I would share it for anybody that else that, you know, it might have missed your radar as well. Uh, but the rapper Little Bow Wow actually tweeted out, this is actually pretty funny, an image of a private jet, and he was claiming that he was, you know, going somewhere, I believe New York, he was saying, on his private jet. Meanwhile, somebody on a plane <laughs> took a picture of him on his phone, obviously not in a private jet. Uh, so I thought that that was pretty funny. Uh, then recently on one of our podcasts, we talked about the fact that T.J. Miller has been accused of uh, sexual assault, which really, the more details you find out about it, sound more like rape. Um, and it's probably one of the most alarming ones uh, because the victim was saying they felt that they were paralyzed as it was happening. Uh, so, you know, one of the projects that T.J. Miller is a part of, obviously, is the Deadpool franchise. Uh, and I was saying maybe they should replace T.J. Miller with Christopher Plummer <laughs> in Deadpool too, because <laughs> it seems like Christopher Plummer they're putting in to replace Kevin Spacey, obviously, recently uh, in one of his uh, more recent films. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if all of a sudden that becomes a thing and they just put Christopher Plummer <laughs> to replace these people that are accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault and things like that. Uh, so I'm trying to make light, obviously, of a, a rather dark situation, uh, which I don't think anybody is too happy with. But, you know, it, it's seemingly almost every podcast we're talking about somebody else that's involved with something like this. Um... Then I was also talking about, um, or I was watching, I should say, um, a, a new episode of NXT, and one of the things that I've noticed recently is that the Undisputed Era team uh, really looks like the whitest group of people I've ever seen throwing up gang signs, because <laughs> when they come out now, uh, because obviously their team is called Undisputed Era, they come out going like this. So the U for Undisputed, the E for Era, and it just looks ridiculous. <laughs> it's not the same thing as the NWO or the Wolfpack or the Click with this. It's going like to the next level. With It just looks stupid, um, I think, uh, but that's just my opinion. Um, so, as I was talking about earlier, the opioid crisis that's going on specifically in the U.S., but it's, you know, let's not kid ourselves, it's also going on in Canada and around the world. Um, this was pretty shocking to me. So U.S., this is from Business Insider, U.S. drug overdose deaths rose 21% between 2009 and 
in 2016, and life expectancy fell for the second year in a row. So the drug overdose deaths in the U.S. continues to increase, and life expectancy is actually going down in the U.S., and it's gone down two years in a row now. That's unbelievable that's so sad and it's it's just crazy to even think about um and obviously what's in the headlines uh, and what everybody's talking about with this is that the u.s has not seen two years of declining life expectancy since 1962 and 1963 when influenza caused an inordinate number of deaths so that's how crazy the situation has gotten in the u.s but also really around the world. Um, Laura Helmuth tweeted out, this is really, really bad. U.S. life expectancy dropped for the second straight year, mainly due to drug overdoses. In other developed countries, life expectancy continues to go up. So you're seeing a, a pretty clear distinction now between the U.S. life expectancy and other developed countries around the world. Um, you know, it, it's a really tragic situation. Uh, speaking of tragic, uh, the New York Times tweeted out, in a stinging rebuke, the UN General Assembly condemned the U.S. decree on Jerusalem. The vote was 128 to 9, with 35 abstentions. So, for those of you guys that aren't totally aware, what happened was the UN had a vote about the U.S.'s decision to basically have their, um, uh, what's the word for it? to have their site in Jerusalem for Israel. And essentially, Donald Trump publicly said that anybody that's voting against that in the UN would no longer be receiving money from the US. So very much a threat, uh, which is again, something that's pretty uncharacteristic of the US to do, uh, publicly especially. Um, and it's you know in my opinion it's it's the worst type of bullying and it's very disgusting uh, to see that type of behavior from a president. But again, it's not my country; it is what it is, and the American people voted for that. So he comes out publicly and he says that. And what's even more sickening to me is that thirty-five countries decided to abstain from the vote because they were so scared of what Trump had to say. Unfortunately, the country that I live in, Canada, was one of those 35 countries that abstained. They publicly said that they don't agree with the US, uh, you know, deciding to have their site in Jerusalem, but that was all they said. They didn't vote, they abstained, uh, probably because they were scared shitless of Trump's threat, which I think is, is very much, uh, just ballless, really, um, especially since you really have nothing to lose if you're Canada at this point. Donald Trump and the American government has made it pretty clear that they're going to do away with NAFTA at some point. Uh, so your ties to the U.S. just continue to just be cut. And at the same time, you're a country in Canada that wants to become part of the Security Council and gain that seat but then you don't actually take a vote on a pretty important vote. Uh, 
where's the leadership there? There isn't any. Um, you know, what type of relationship do you really have with the U.S. anymore? It continues to go to shit, so why don't you just let it go all the way to shit and do something that's right? Why don't you publicly say that what the U.S. did was wrong, deciding to have their site in Jerusalem? Um, you know, it, it's a pretty disturbing thing. And it's really disturbing when you look at all the countries that voted. And this is an image here. It doesn't really show on the screen. But that's okay, because I'll give you some examples of countries that did vote. Uh, one of them, the United Kingdom. Uh, they had the balls to vote. Uh, France, Germany, they voted. Uh, not surprisingly, Afghanistan <laughs> voted uh, against that. Uh, really, the only country of consequence that was in favor of it was, of course, Israel and the US. That was it. Everybody else pretty much voted against it or they abstained uh, as pretty gutless a move as you can get. Uh, especially, you know, if you're looking at the countries that abstained, uh, you're looking at Canada, you're looking at Australia, you're looking at uh, Jamaica, and that's pretty much it in terms of countries of, of um, any consequence. Um, so, you know, really disappointing to see Canada put themselves in that group of countries. Uh, you know, Australia, I, I would say, I know there's a lot of viewers uh, for our podcast from Australia as well. You're probably ashamed as well. Um, you know, it would be nice if countries around the world had the balls and the backbone to speak out against uh, Trump and his bullshit quite frankly, um, what's the worst that can happen? They stop funding whatever the fuck they fund? Who cares? You're standing up for something that means more, and if you're a country like Canada that's trying to get a seat in the Security Council, uh, it, it would mean a lot if you did stand up for the right things instead of just, you know, wanting to have a seat, but at the same time just sitting in the back seat still. Um, you know, it, it's very disappointing. And it speaks a lot to the government that Trudeau has formed in Canada, uh, just continuing to disappoint people uh, left and right if you're paying attention. If you're not paying attention, you probably think Justin Trudeau is one of the greatest prime ministers of all time. But if you're paying attention, you've seen enough from him to be very disappointed at this point, And it just continues to happen. This is no different. Um, so the New York Times tweeted about the fact that this new tax bill in the U.S. is going to become law, has become law. Uh, Trump has signed off on it. Uh, Chris Ryan tweeted out, The deepest trage tragedy here is that the real suffering of, 90, of the 90% will increase, while the life satisfaction of the rest will not. And that's a really good point. Uh, the wealthier that people become that are already wealthy, in that 10%, if, if you want to go with what Chris Ryan is saying, or even the 1%, how much wealth do you need before it doesn't fucking matter, you know? Uh, before what you're doing is you're buying your second yacht uh, when you've already got a yacht yourself. Like, you look at certain people that are on that level, uh, you know, Warren Buffett comes to mind, who lives a modest life, who has all of that money, but he actually goes and he donates it back 
to the greater good of mankind, um, you know, there's something to be said about that. There's something to be said about someone like Bill Gates who pretty much does the same. Um, the rest of the world, though, you wonder, you know, you've got some interesting people like Tesla who turns around, he turns that money into new projects and, you know, he, he has an interest in pursuing technology uh, to its fullest extent. That's admirable. But for everybody else that just sits on their money and doesn't do a fucking thing with it, uh, you know, that is that making their lives any better? I would say probably not. It's pretty empty, pretty shallow uh, to just be looking at your bank account or looking at your portfolio and, you know, what, what do you actually get out of it? Meanwhile, you know, the rest of the country uh, continues to struggle to pay for housing, continues to struggle to pay for food, continues to struggle to pay their health bills if they're in the U.S. Um, all those things continuing to happen. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Like I was saying off the top of the podcast, politically, uh, it comes at a time when states are already going to be increasing minimum wage. It seems like you've got companies that are playing ball, uh, you know, giving out their Christmas bonuses. Uh, so the illusion that this is actually going to be doing something and that money's trickling down instead of piss, uh, I, I'm sure some people will be fooled by it. Uh, I'm sure some people that voted Republican and voted for Trump will be fooled by it. And hey, you know, if they're that easily fooled, good for them. My only question for them is, did their wages actually go up? Uh, if they were unemployed, did they become employed? If they knew people that were unemployed, did they become employed? Uh, those would be the questions that I would ask. Uh, if you're really looking at this to see, did this strategy work? Um, and if you're smart and you're a student of history, you'll probably understand that it's not going to work. It never has worked. It certainly didn't work with Reagan in the 80s. Trickle-down economics is laughed at by most economists that know what they're doing. Um, this is trickle-down economics at, at its worst and you know if companies make money what are they going to do they're going to see if they can make more money that doesn't include hiring more people or increasing your wages on a permanent level as opposed to like a bonus which is pretty empty showing by those companies but you know we'll see what happens um, it I have a lot of reservations and doubts uh, Chris Ryan obviously has a lot of reservations and doubts about it as well. Uh, then there was this which I thought was interesting. Somebody actually made a video uh, mashup of Jingle Bells being sung by Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, which I thought was pretty good. So I'll see if I could play that for you guys. So somebody has way too much time on hands making that with the Macho Man. Uh, then there was this which I thought was interesting. I have no idea about this. Uh, there's a strip club apparently, Uberfax tweeted this out, there's a strip club in Ontario, Canada that doubles as a church on Sunday, which they said there's no better place to repent for Saturday night. 
<laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Um, and then a random brain dropping, uh, sandpaper makes silk shine. Um, and really what this podcast, the reason why we're even doing it today, uh, really interesting news going back to the last podcast where it was kind of just a rumor out there about the XFL. Uh, so Vince McMahon apparently sold $100 million worth of WWE stock uh, yesterday to fund Alpha Entertainment, which is something that he created in part to fund a pro football venture. Uh, so Alpha Entertainment filed for five trademarks last week to the XFL. So clearly, you know, you can draw your own conclusions. To go with those rumors from before, Vince McMahon now has the money to make this happen. Uh, and some interesting rumors going on. One of them is the face of the XFL could be Johnny Manziel, who's still looking to be playing professionally. A lot of people thought he might be going to the CFL. Uh, the XFL could be very much an option for him uh, in the future. Uh, and then <laughs> Ryan Loco tweeted out, Here in the XFL, we stand for our anthem. We don't take wussy players out for their little concussions, and there's no such thing as roughing the quarterback, hashtag America. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> and then Blockchain Vordy tweeted out, Oh my God, what if Papa John resigned to start an XFL team? <laughs> So pretty interesting times. Uh, I would be shocked, obviously, at this point if the XFL doesn't return for a second run. Uh, and it might actually be successful this time. It seems like Vince McMahon, uh, especially if he teams up with Dick Ebersol again, uh, just at the end of that 30 for 30 documentary, that was the XFL. Uh, it really seemed like they learned from their mistakes. And what was really interesting to me and, and how I think that it really would work uh, is that Vince was talking with him about the fact that if they played in stadiums that are already built, the NFL stadiums, uh, and brought them in revenue during the off season or during like bye weeks and stuff like that, that would be a huge way for them to be successful. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if they go about it that route. Some people I've even heard say, what if the XFL was like a de developmental league for the NFL? So there's a lot of possibilities with that, uh, but it's very interesting. You, you could tell, and the reason why I'm not surprised that Vince is trying to bring back the XFL, you could tell how excited he was even in that 30 for 30 ESPN documentary for it. So, you know, where there's a passion for him to do something, especially somebody like him who's so driven, I'm not surprised that he's going so far to do this. Um, and you know, with his imagination, obviously, I don't think anybody can question what he's capable of, what he was able to turn uh, the WWWF into uh, when he bought it out from his father. You know, back then you were talking about regional wrestling, and he turned it into a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, you know, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens with this. Uh, clearly, it looks like it's going to be happening. Uh, it's, go it's gone from more than just a rumor at this point, especially when Vince McMahon is selling $100 million worth of WWE stock uh, to be able to fund it. So uh, it seems like he's putting his money into it. They've trademarked the XFL. Uh, so it, probably that rumor will be true, and we'll hear in January that it will be brought back. 
And what's really interesting, if you think about it now, is that the WWE has their own network now, so if they wanted to, they could probably even show games live on the WWE network. Um, so they honestly don't even have to worry about making a deal with NBC or USA. So they're really in a much better position than they've ever been uh, to make this work. And the more that you think about it, the possibilities, things they can do with it, uh, it really seems like they could do something with it that and make it work. And, you know, Johnny Manziel is a player that people would be interested in. Colin Kaepernick would be interesting if they brought him in, although that would run against the kneeling <laughs> joke there. But, uh, yeah, like, it, it, it seems like it's going to be going. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And I would never doubt uh, what Vince McMahon's capable of when he puts his mind to something. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, Billionaire Mindset tweeted out, uh, it's never too late to make things right. So the XFL could be an example of that. Uh, Joe Rogan tweeted out, and I actually agree with him 100% on this, uh, I want to get excited about all this Pentagon UFO stuff, but I kind of feel like Charlie Brown after Lucy yanked the ball away every time he went to kick it. I'm nervous to even pay attention to it and waste my time with more nonsense if it all turns out to be bullshit. Um, and I would, that's pretty much where my thoughts are with it. I know the last podcast I, I mentioned the story, but I was basically just saying, you know, check out the the story you know it's on twitter and that was pretty much it i don't really have any thoughts on it because there's so much ufo stuff that you hear about that just turned out to be bullshit as joe rogan was saying uh you know you don't really want to waste your time going down that rabbit hole if it's all for nothing and you know that's i think where everybody's mindset or most people's mindsets are when it comes to that uh, then there was this story from The National, which I wanted to play, which was really crazy. A Ukrainian translator who's accused of being a Russian spy. Uh, what's really crazy about this is that this guy actually sat in with Justin Trudeau. Uh, so I just wanted to play this clip so you guys could get a sense of how crazy it is. You cannot get any closer to the center of power in Canada than standing right beside the Prime Minister's desk. And that is where Stanislav Yezov was just a few weeks ago. And this is where he was last night, being taken away by agents of Ukraine's state security service. He's being accused of treason, spying for Vladimir Putin's Russia. A statement by the security service accused Yezov of collecting data on the activities of governmental institutions by means of special equipment and passing along information to his Russian contacts through electronic communication channels. Perhaps most importantly, it suggests he had been under suspicion for a while. And that leads us back to Canada. So I will just interpret your question sentence by sentence. Yezov was there when the Ukrainian Prime Minister sat down with CBC News during his Ottawa visit, where we asked him what was said with Justin Trudeau. Ukraine needs defensive weapons, high-tech defensive weapons. That is key. The Ottawa trip happened three weeks before the Liberal cabinet approved Canadian companies selling weapons to Ukraine, a significant move on the world stage. So, was the Ukrainian delegation given a heads up? And if so, did that get passed on to Moscow? So for him to be located by the Prime Minister's desk is, is rather strange, I would say, at a minimum. This intelligence expert was startled to see Yezov unattended directly beside Justin Trudeau's desk and away from the leaders. I would say that they should, if it's not a, a security lapse, they should be re revisiting the protocols that they function under when it comes to visiting delegations. 
we don't want the Russians to be privy to what we you know, may, may have promised or not promised the Ukrainians. So I would, I would hope that when this, this footage is being shown, they would say, oh, uh, that shouldn't have happened. The Prime Minister's office offered little comment other than confirming Yezov was part of the recent Ukrainian delegation. Foreign Affairs Minister Christia Freeland was in Kiev today. Her staff said she was unavailable to comment. Murray Rooster, CBC News, Ottawa. So the big question tonight, what vital information did Stanislav Yesov overhear as he tagged along with the Ukrainian Prime Minister? There was alarm in Britain today that the accused Russian spy had penetrated 10 Downing Street. He was there when Groisman met with Prime Minister Theresa May to discuss military aid for Ukraine and how to counter Russian cyber attacks. We know Yeskov was there when Groisman met U.S. Vice President Joe Biden at the White House. He may have also been present when Groisman met Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu or German Chancellor Angela Merkel or the head of the European Union. So that's some pretty crazy shit. Um, and it makes you question the intelligence agencies, uh, Canada, the U.S., the U.K., all of those countries that they just listed there, uh, how that's even possible for this to happen. Um, and again, like it seems like in today's world, for whatever reason, Putin has lined things up so well for himself that it seems like he's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. Um, and it's really pathetic, honestly. Uh, you know, you go back and you talk about uh, the U.S. election and uh, people that are saying, oh, you know, it's not like Russia fixed the machines. No, they didn't. But what they did do is they spread propaganda through Facebook that's been proven. And a lot of American people were influenced by that and voted based on that. And now you have the administration that you have. Um, you know, you, you've got this dysfunction going on in Europe, which Putin's taking advantage of. Um, it's really sad and pathetic, even in hindsight, to see how things are going this way. Um, and this is just like another level, another layer of that. Uh, so really crazy shit there with the Ukrainian translator being accused of being a Russian spy and sitting in on very important meetings, feeding that information back to the Russians and to Putin, just unbelievable. And we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Uberfax tweeted out something that was interesting, and this actually goes back to the point that Chris Ryan made earlier. 29% uh, of Americans making more than 150000 per year have less than $1,000 in savings. That is fucking insane. Uh, I don't even touch that per year, uh, but I've got more savings than that. Uh, again, you know, like, it just... It, it's mind-boggling to see how money is distributed around the world, how, what people do with it, how they spend it, whether or not they save it. Uh, but clearly, that's a good chunk of people, more than one out of every four, that make a substantial amount of money per year, but don't save any of it, uh, really. And that's really pathetic, to be honest. Uh, then there was this clip of Mean Gene from 1992 in the WWF trying to pronounce something and nobody could make out what the hell it was. I thought it was pretty funny. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, I want to present to you the five finalists in the 1992 World Budding build a Championships. Here they are. <laughs> the 1992-something. 
so it's rare that you see Mean Gene making a mistake, but that was a good catch by Andy Clare there. Um, WWE Creative Humor tweeted out, there goes our pitch for the million Bitcoin man. Uh, the reason why that's funny, if you haven't been paying attention, Bitcoin uh, in the last 24 hours or so has gone from being worth $19,000 for one Bitcoin down to $12,500. Uh, and that was a few hours ago, so I don't even know if that's still the case, if it's gone down more, if it's come up a little bit. Uh, but it's interesting to see uh, maybe some people that were panicking and, and selling early for Bitcoin uh you know, we'll see what happens with it. A lot of people want to see it succeed. A lot of people want to see it fail. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are buying it to do both. Um, but we'll see what happens with it. Uh, then we will end the podcast with this. Uh, speaking of Donald Trump and propaganda, uh, this is probably the worst, worst example of that. Uh, so this is a little girl in a new pro-Trump ad saying, thank you, President Trump, for letting us say Merry Christmas again. This is truly, truly bizarre, um, and in my opinion, pretty un-American, but I'll play it for you guys so you can see it. So we'll end the podcast with a very funny line from Andy Richter, who said, and next year it'll be the N-word that he has us saying again. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. Uh, so again, you know, I want to thank everybody for watching, listening to the podcast. And in case this is the last podcast before uh, Christmas, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, thank you, as always, for watching, for listening. We will see you guys on the next episode.